don't have to answer it, but what's the most interesting thing that you own and how'd you come upon it? Now, I didn't dig it out, but my grandfather, before D-Day, visited Shakespeare's tomb, and he took out a large sheet of paper, and he, he like, uh, flossed over with a pencil and drew it, and there I have in my house, I have a copy of Shakespeare's tomb engraved, and he went over it. I think that's probably the most intriguing thing or interesting thing I own. What about you? What's the most interesting thing that you own, and how did you come upon it? Or maybe... Are there souvenirs or items? Are there souvenirs or items that bring back painful or sad memories? Maybe the flag of someone in your family who served in the service that was called home. Maybe you have an old dog collar somewhere of a faithful pet who's been with you. Or even more significantly, jewelry and souvenirs from the past of people who are no longer with us. Can you relate to that? Those things that call back bittersweet memories of what was and what is no longer and maybe a joyous reunion in heaven. Can you think of things like that that you own, some that are very painful? These are all items that echo back into the past and remind us and sometimes point us forward. Reminders are all around us of the past, and so I want to draw your attention to a few very interesting reminders. On the left is just not a typical hill. It's called the Teufelsberg. It's outside of Berlin. Now, if anyone understands German, do you know what Teufelsberg means? Devil's Mountain. That hill was made from remains of Berlin and surrounding cities after World War II. Literally millions of cubic tons of debris of broken down buildings and other material were gathered there that created that mountain. That's a man-made mountain. Now, today on top of it, there's an observatory and other sort of scientific laboratories. That mountain is man-made. It's a reminder to Germans and a reminder to the world, the horror of the World War II. To the right of it, you see a number of dots. Those dots are in the city of Berlin. That's where scientists believe there's unexploded ordnance from World War II, whether from Russian shells or American and British bombers. An optimist said in 15 or 20 years, maybe all bombs will be removed from the Berlin area and no one else will have to die because someone recently died in the year 2019 due to unexploded ordnance in Berlin. They are painful reminders of a painful past, even more so than maybe those heirlooms or those interesting items you and I own in our home. Of course, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. 9-11 memorials and reminders across America. Find the 9-11 tragedy across the river in New Jersey, Thousands of items were collected and scattered across the United States to be used in memorials. Over 3,500 people died in the numerous bombings on 9-11. Do you remember that? If you want to get a close look, maybe go up to the Toledo Airport. The fighter wing there has a permanent display of two twisted pieces of steel from the World Trade Center. But if you want to go closer, you don't even have to go all the way to Toledo. You can go to Wauseon. In the Fulton County, um, Fulton County Fairgrounds, because there is a permanent display of two twisted pieces of seal from the New York um, Trade Center that's there to remind people of that tragic day. So God always had his people erect memorials. Memorials are lasting tributes to what has been and what will be. Once again, this is sort of bittersweet. This is Jacob. 
Remember, Jacob messed his brother over of his birthright. Do you know his brother's name? Who? Esau. He messed him over of a birthright, and Esau, so angry, wanted to end his life. And in despair and fear, he fled. But yet God gave him a vision of an angel descending and ascending into heaven that God promises to be with him. And so Jacob built a pillar. On top of it, he poured oil as a memorial to the sin he caused and the blessing that God will bring. Memorials, tribute to sin. So I want us to reflect back on Isaiah's words that were just read to you from Isaiah chapter 64. And Isaiah begins sort of his sermon to us, and he says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. And he asked God to intervene into our world. And many times we wonder why God doesn't intervene. Why God doesn't intervene in a world that seems to be spinning out of control and every year changes for the worse. Just look at 2020, how it's changed. The pain, the discrimination, the violence, the lack of love, the lack of empathy. And we wonder, why doesn't God come down and rend over the heavens and end it all? So Isaiah recalls God's power. He opened the Red Sea and punished Pharaoh. He punished Israel for their idolatry at Mount Sinai. Remember, they took the gold that God paid them for 400 years of slavery and decided to make a golden calf in their foolishness. He reminds them of their Babylonian captivity when they're sent away due to their idolatry against God and his covenant with them. And so Isaiah says, when we continue to sin against you, you are angry. How can we be saved? Sometimes we see God's power as God angry with us but it leads us to a much more difficult question. Every natural disaster, plague, epidemic catastrophe is its own memorial. It's a memorial to sin and its effect. So every time there's a tornado, every time there's a tropical storm, every time there's a hurricane, every time there's some sort of war or disaster, it's a memorial to Adam and Eve and their sin and the sin that still plagues us and the problems that it still brings to us. It's a reminder not only of the past, but a reminder of Judgment Day yet to come. And we feel its effects, especially since COVID is hitting closer to home. And that leads me to the title of the sermon. Why doesn't God end COVID? You know who asked me that? An eight-year-old. Pastor, why doesn't God end COVID? So maybe likewise we would pray, God, that you would rend the heavens open, that you look down in judgment and bring an end to this all, or at least bring an end to COVID. That leads us to a far greater question. And the question is, why doesn't God, why doesn't God end all evil now? Why God, doesn't God just come down now and end all this strife and despair, the violence, the disease, the hurting, the pain that we see around us. Why doesn't God end evil? And those are very awesome questions. So I think that Isaiah will answer that for us. If we look at Isaiah, Isaiah says we must contend with sin. Can you read that Bible verse with me? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So why doesn't God end evil? Well, that's not part of the package. When Adam and Eve sinned, we lay in their sin and we lay in their distress and we lay in their bondage. So sin is with us. Notice I'm not saying that God's punishing us, but I'm saying we live in a sinful, fallen world where bad things happen. 
And wise King Solomon tells us there is nothing new under the sun. If God's Old Testament people had to face it, if God's New Testament people had to face it, we who are God's people have to face it as well. We must contend with sin. And loved ones and friends in Christ, do not, do not wonder why bad things happen. We live in a sinful, messed up world and we never know the news that's going to come our way. Why else doesn't God end COVID? Well, crisis point many to God. Notice Isaiah says, No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. Of course not. Who needs God when my life is fine? Who needs God when my stock and bonds are doing great and my family's well? Who needs God when I have all these conveniences around me? And sometimes the only way people look to God is when they're distressed. Have you heard it before? Sometimes the only way that people can look up is when they're laying flat on their back. It's only when someone's flat on their back and in distress that they can look up to heaven. So God uses these things to get people's attention. He also uses these things to remind us that our life is a life of repentance. Can you read that verse with me? Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. So you and I, we walk before God as repentant people. Yes, God, I blew it. Yes, God, I made a mistake. Yes, God, this isn't who I want to be. And yes, God, I offended you. So why doesn't COVID end? It reminds you and I that we live in a sinful world, messed up people, and we ask God to forgive us, and he does. Why else doesn't God end evil? It's a reminder that God always delivers his people. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are your people. And oh, I have seen any God besides you who has acts on behalf of those who wait for him. I don't know if you can tell the picture there, but that's a picture of Israel crossing the Red Sea. Even though they were in bondage for 400 years and wondered who delivered them, God did deliver them, and God constantly delivers us. And as someone shared with me earlier today, yes, COVID will end. Yes, some of our strife will end. Yes, it will come to pass. Why? Because that's what God has done in the past. He delivered his people from bondage across the Red Sea. He gave them the law. And through Christ, he redeemed us sinners. God always delivers his people in his time and his way. So why isn't God in COVID? He will. He's waiting for his time when his purpose is accomplished, when people look up to him and are called into faith and repent. So we wait for God, realizing that he always delivers. He has. Christ died and rose. We have the victory. And one day he'll deliver us from this. What else doesn't God end COVID? Do you see the potter and the clay? Well, sometimes the only way we learn and grow is through suffering. When we suffer, we hurt. When we hurt, we pray. Can you read the Bible verse, and suffering God grows, molds us to be more like him? Can you read that Bible verse with me? Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. When we suffer, sometimes we open ourselves up to other possibilities. We look around for help, and God is there, and God shapes us and molds us. I remember my previous con congregation being called out at about 1 o'clock in the morning to a serious um, traffic accident. And there the family met me in the ER room. And there the doctor came in and shared some rather disturbing news with the family. There I met with the family, not only that night, but the next couple days, uh, for what was unraveling with the health of their loved one. And I remember, after many weeks of struggling through that situation, 
that the Father came and told me, when I've been through this, all else seems simple. And from now on, I will never go to another doctor appointment and wonder why I had to wait 45 minutes or an hour. From now on, I will never go to an ER room and, and sit there when I'm dealing with a mi minor injury and wonder why people aren't taking care of me. From now on, I will understand that those minor that those minor tribulations and inconveniences in my life, like a flat tire, or they ran out of my favorite um, drink or eat, that will no longer bother me. You see, when we suffer, God molds us into him. We become more Christ-like. We become more patient and more empathetic and more loving toward others. That's why God does it in COVID. There's things that God is blessing us with. We will be better people on the opposite end of this than we are now or we were before. Why doesn't God end COVID? Ultimately, it builds our faith in the eternal hope in Jesus. We rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Why isn't God in COVID? Because God never wastes the hurt. God promises to work things, all things out for the good. God is our strong deliverer who promises always, us always his mercy and grace. I want to talk about hope because that's the candle that's lit. That's the color of the season. Blue means hope. Hope means a brighter tomorrow. Hope isn't something we have now because if we have it now, we don't hope for it. Hope points us to something far greater than what we have now. Hope points us to a face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus. Hope points us to eternal life and the realization of everything that we speak here. Why isn't God in COVID? Because he's bringing us far greater blessings than we can ever imagine. Hope, the color blue, the color of Advent. Hope is far greater than COVID or anything else through Christ our Lord. He'll bring us through it and for us believers, he'll bring us to our eternal home. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you read it with me? Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And all God's people say, Amen.